Howdy, folks. This is professional rodeo announcer Joe Coulter, and I want to be the first to welcome you to Slave the Cowboy. But before we get started, I want to ask you one question. What is a cowboy? Well, a cowboy is about character, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. And you know when you scratch all that in the dirt, you're going to spell out the word Christ. And that, in its simplest form, is what being a true cowboy is all about. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to learn how to ride for the Lord. And may God save the cowboy. I had a buddy of mine uh, call me, and he said, uh, he said, hey, I, I just got two donkeys. And, of course, the, the first question that any cowboy will ask is, why? And he said, well, you know, it was just one of these deals and, and everything. And he said, I want to see if they'll ride. You want to come over? And I was like, well, yeah. And so we went over there, and, and there's, a, there's a picture. That was not my pink halter, by the way, Phil, just, just so you know. Uh, I got over there, and he already had these halters on them, and he was trying to lead them around. He could have led that trailer house around better than he could have led those donkeys around. And so anyway... Uh, we couldn't decide who was going to get bucked off and bit first, so we decided, I, I tell you what, on the count of three, jump on, and, and it's ten bucks if the first person that comes off. And so we said, one, two, three, and I jumped on, and that donkey just stand there. And I was like, hey, man, I'm going to win. And, and Logan's donkey just, just stood there. Nothing happened. And so we kind of, you know, you kick them real hard, just see what will happen. No spurs, just... Well, that worked. So, you know, they got bigger and bigger and bigger and, and nothing happened. And um, so anyway, we, we couldn't get these donkeys to go anywhere. And I mean, you could turn their heads and they may take a couple of steps. And Logan was like, I tell you what I'm going to do. And so he got off his and he went and I was like, you owe me 10 bucks. He's like, no, I just got off. I don't care. First one off. And so he went over there and he got like this, this, I don't know, a stick or something. And he got some baling wire and he had a little bitty old daughter and there was some little play sand or something, and he put some grain in there and run some baling wire around it and everything. He goes, I'm going to make them go. And so he stuck this grain out there, and that donkey stretched his no neck out like that, and then took a couple of steps. And Logan was like, I didn't think that would work. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're doing good. And then that donkey stopped and was like, I ain't playing that. And so anyway, we sat there and we tried to get them going around and I acted like a bareback rider and that's when somebody took a full picture. I've caught more grief over that picture than anything else. And anyway, we, we got around there and, and we kind of got them to walking around and Logan's like, I say we open the gate. I was like, well, yeah. So they opened up the gate and we headed them towards the gate and got over there and, uh, there was some green grass because it was right there by the yard. And, and these fool donkeys, they, they went over there and started eating the tumbleweeds. And Logan was like, man, these are going to be easy to feed. They didn't eat the grass or nothing. And so his was going a little better than mine. And so mine was following it. And, and we went around the house and everything. And suddenly we hit the driveway. And that driveway went, oh, it was, it was long. And, uh, you know, the road to their house. And we got over there. And, and he hit that little road first, and then, you know, there's an opening in the brush and the tumbleweeds and everything like that, and this long stretch of good road. Well, his donkey starts trotting out there, and mine looks up and goes, Hey! Now, if you've never tried to ride a donkey with nothing but a halter, no saddle, no nothing, it's like riding a pe like, I mean, it, it's like sitting on a, a barbed wire fence, and it hurts just about as bad. And so, anyway, his donkey starts running, and my donkey starts running, and he had this Australian Shepherd. 
named Pepper. Well, Logan starts hollering at this donkey because his donkey starts going faster and faster and faster and faster. And before it's over with, I mean, this thing is flying down this road. And he's hollering at this donkey trying to get the donkey stopped. Well, Pepper, that was her name, Pepper, thought she would help. <laughs> and so she closes the gap real quick and starts healing that donkey. Well, that donkey just gets faster and faster and faster. And, and Logan is pulling back in, and I'll never forget, he was like, whoa, Pepper, no! Whoa, Pepper, no! And that donkey starts kicking, the dog gets mad and everything. And I mean, I am laughing so hard. And so I'm, I'm going down through there, and I would pull on that donkey. Well, when you pull on a donkey and you're not in a saddle or anything, you just slide up right between his ears. And so I was trying to hang on, lead rope, trying to stop a donkey, laughing so hard at Logan, and I was pulling myself, and then I'd have to scooch back. And then I'd pull myself, and I'd have to scooch back. And I thought, any minute now, I'm going to come off this thing. But I was a pretty good cowboy, so I made it through it. But anyway, I, finally, there, there was a bend in the, there was kind of a bend in the road, and so I bailed off and just kind of threw a trip on this donkey and pulled it around and everything. And when I got stopped and we wasn't following, the other donkey stopped and everything. And finally, Logan got off. And I thought about halfway through that ride, whenever I was running, I was laughing so hard and pulling so hard and trying to stay on so hard, I got asthma. I thought I was going to have to reach in my pocket and try to get my inhaler out. And I thought, man, if Phil sees that picture, I'm dead. <laughs> but we got everything stopped. And Logan got off and he started getting on to his dog, which is kind of like a lot of y'all getting on to your dogs. Now, sweetie, you weren't helping anything and old Pepper was just a, looked like Shakira. I was trying to help, Dad. I was trying to help. And he goes, and he, like she could understand, he's like, I know you were trying to help, honey, but you were making things worse. Today, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. In a lot of ways, Christians hear, you hear the same thing over and over. The Bible is full of guidelines of when to help people. Feed the poor. The Bible says heal the sick. The Bible says be there for those that are having a hard time. The Bible says take care of orphans and widows. And there's nothing wrong with that. And if, if you don't hear anything else I'm saying, we should do all of those things. But there are certain instances when helping hurts. And we're going to talk about some of those things today. I wonder, did Jesus Christ Himself ever turn anybody away? Did He ever refuse to help anybody? Did He ever say, it ain't happening? In Luke 12, 13 through 15, we look at one example of where Jesus Christ does that same... I mean, He just kind of flat out tells this fellow no. Jesus is in front of a bunch of people kind of like this. I doubt they was at a fairgrounds, but, uh, or broadcasting live or on the radio or anything like that. But nonetheless, he's in front of a lot of people and this guy raises his hand and he says, Hey, Jesus. He said, Tell my brother to give me my share of what our father left us when he died. That's in verse 13 of Luke chapter 12. Teacher, tell my brother to give me my share of what our father left us whenever he passed away. Jesus said, who gave me the right to settle your argument, settle arguments between you and your brother? Then he said to the crowd, don't be greedy. Owning a lot of things won't make your life better. 
So this guy is sitting there. He interrupts Jesus himself as he's preaching, which gives us a lot of room. Uh, don't, don't feel bad about stuff. I don't think any of us has ever uh, jumped in the middle of one of Jesus' sermons. But this guy says, hey, my brother won't give me what my fair share is, and I want you to do something about it. Sometimes we want to help people resolve conflicts. How many times has there been a situation between two people that is flat out none of your business, and you jump in the middle of it, and you're the one that gets in a wreck, not them? It happens all the time. Maybe it's none of your business. Maybe one of them tries to make it your business. Hey, you know what? I need you to come over here and, and tell this guy what to do, or tell this gal what to do, or something like that. We shouldn't jump in the middle of other people's problems. We shouldn't take sides. Christians want to be the supermen and wonder women of truth, justice, and mercy. But you know what? Sometimes we need to take our capes off and point out the real issue. Conflict is a sure sign that we're getting off the trail of what God intended. We don't need to take sides and, and be some arbitrator of conflict between the two because I guarantee you, when those things happen, you know, it, it's neither one of them are probably doing the right thing if it's reached that point. We shouldn't ever take sides and jump into the middle of something that number one is in our business. Number two, we are not some Christian bouncer. <laughs> I remember, uh, way back before I was a pastor, uh, we were at this place called Cowpokes in Lubbock, Texas. And uh, there was a fellow that liked my girlfriend. I knew it, he knew it, she knew it. It was a kind of a big wreck. And he walked by me at this uh, establishment and bumped into me. And I kind of started to lose my temper. And my girlfriend said, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. I was like, all right, I'm not going to start anything. I'm not going to start anything. And here in a second... He walks by again, and they're like nine feet on either side of me, and he walks by, and I mean, I'm just looking at him, and he bumps me with his shoulder again, and I laughed at him, and I turned around, and he said, what are you going to... And before he said do, I hit him as hard as I could. There was a fellow named Eddie at this establishment. Eddie was a... He wouldn't fit on this stage. He come wading through there, and he picked me up like a mama dog picks up a pup by the scruff of my neck. And I started screaming and hollering, Eddie, don't you hurt me. Don't you hurt me. He's like, I'm not going to hurt you. And he just walks out with me. It's about as easy as carrying a mineral block to him, I guess. And he walks out there, and I'll never forget, right in front of the door, there was like this banister, an old cowboy-looking, hitching post-looking thing. And you could come around either side. You had to come around either side to get in the door unless you wanted to crawl over. And Eddie walked out there and he still got me by the neck and I'm off the ground and I'm like this. And Eddie grabs me by the back belt loop. Have you ever seen those wrestlers whenever they pick somebody up like this? He did that to me. And I was a squallering and a, and a kicking and everything like that. And he walks up to that banister and pitches me like a baseball. I didn't roll as good as a baseball, but I did skid a ways. But we don't need to be Christian bouncers in things that are not our business. Don't get drug into that trap. It's okay. Jesus did it right there. If it's none of your business, Jesus Himself said, who gave me the right to settle a disagreement between the two of you? Well, if Jesus doesn't, and I'm not going to say that He doesn't have the right, He's God. But the point He's trying to make is, I'm not going to get involved in your petty disputes. 
Go to God. Get your mind focused on the right things. There's another time in John chapter 6, verse 22 through 27, where Jesus had just preached a great big sermon and there wasn't no McDonald's close by or anything like that. So Jesus asked if anybody had anything to eat and they found a couple of, of fish and, and a couple of loaves of bread and Jesus blessed it and fed like 5,000 people. And man, you want to talk about happy. You know, they didn't, they couldn't run down to the Walmart and pick up some groceries back then. Getting fed 5,000 people was something. Well, Jesus, after it was all over, told his disciples, he said, y'all go across the, the lake there and I'll meet y'all on the other side in the morning. Jesus went off to pray and the next morning he got over there and he met up with his disciples and all of the people had had their fill and I can just see about 5,000 people camped out. It looked like, looked like a Jesus Woodstock or something, hopefully without all the craziness. But anyway, they're all passed out and they woke up and guess what? They wanted some breakfast. Like, where's Jesus smart at? We're hungry. And so I guess word reaches them that, that he's over there on the other side of the lake. So 5,000 people, they strike a long trot and they get over to the lake. And in John chapter 6, verse 22, it says, The people who had stayed on the east side of the lake knew that only one boat had been there. They also knew that Jesus had not left in it with the disciples. But the next day, some boats from Tiberias sailed near the place where the crowd had eaten the bread for which the Lord had given thanks. They saw that Jesus and his disciples had left, and then they got into the boats and went to Capernaum to look for Jesus. They found him on the west side of the lake and said, "Where did you? Or when did you get here?" And Jesus said, "I tell you for certain that you are not looking for me because you saw the miracle, but because you ate all the food you wanted. Don't work for food that spoils. Work for food that gives eternal life. The Son of Man will give you this food because God the Father has given him the right to do so." Sometimes when people are needy, we should, if somebody is hungry, we should never turn them away. But I tell you what, some people get, instead of needy, sometimes people want to get greedy. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. And he's not talking about orphans and widows. If you're able to, we can help people with their burdens, but nowhere does it say that they can unload all of their burdens and just pack them on you like a pack mule and let you do all the heavy lifting for the rest of your life. These people, they were hungry and Jesus fed them, but then they come and He knew their hearts. They weren't there to hear Him preach. They were there to get some pancakes. And Jesus isn't a, a short order cook. It's okay sometimes, especially when people go from being needy to greedy, to just say no. Jesus did. He knew their hearts. And in Luke chapter 15, 11 through 20, once again, we see another instance. Everybody has probably heard this story. I bet more sermons have been preached on this one story than anything else, and it's the story of the prodigal son. Jesus tells it starting in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Hey, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. 
But no one gave him anything. Now you have to understand that in Jewish culture, pigs were unclean. I mean, you want to talk about degrading yourself? No good Jew would even touch a pig, much less long to eat what they were eating and care for them. In verse 17 it says, When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. This is the son talking. He ain't doing nothing but feeding some pigs. And he says, when he came to his senses, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his dad. Rescuing people from the consequences of their sin is rescuing them from learning and growing. You know what? Sometimes people have to hit rock bottom before they can learn. But too often, people dig their own hole and then they get just low enough that they can't get themselves out and they start hollering for help. And we go over there and we rescue them like a, like a cow out of a ravine and we drag them up out of there and everything. And before you know it, you look up and they're digging the same dadgum hole again. We've all seen people do it. Shoot, some of us have done it ourselves. Sometimes you just got to let people hit rock bottom. And that's not a bad thing sometimes. Now, we don't want to let somebody uh, pass away or anything like that. And I'm not saying that this is a free... Well, that preacher said, I ain't got to help nobody no more. That's not what I'm saying. But you know what? Some of the things that we try to help people with... The worst thing in the world that you can do is drag them back out of there. The fancy psychological term for that is enabling. How many times do, do we want to help with good intentions, but we don't do anything except enable them, get them out, and then they're like, oh, I've changed, I'm doing good, everything's great. And before you know it, they're right back there, and this time instead of a shovel, they got a backhoe. Dig in their own hole once again. There's nothing wrong with sometimes letting people hit rock bottom. Common mistakes that we as Christians make. You know, sometimes, well, you know, they say that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Well, the road to hell isn't really paved with good intentions. It's paved with people not believing in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. But I think that we can all as, as, uh, semi-literate people, talking about me and Jared, not y'all, semi-literate people, we can understand what that means. Just because you can help doesn't mean that you should help. Some common mistakes that we make. You know what? You cannot, I don't care how much you care. I don't care how much you love somebody. I don't care what the situation is. Did you know that you cannot make anybody do anything? It can't be done. I know that more stress in people's lives come from, well, they should just... How many times have we heard that? How many times have we said that? Well, you know what you should do? You should just cut it out. You can't make somebody do something. You cannot control other people. Controlling, trying to control their actions is not helping, it's manipulating them. In one verse in the Bible, Jesus says there's two sons and the dad says, go feed the cows. And the son says, I ain't going to do it. And later on, he has a change of heart and he goes, well, you know what, I'll go feed the cows. He goes and feeds the cows, and the dad tells the other son, hey, go feed the horses. And the, the boy says, I'll do it, dad. I'll do it. And his dad walks off, and he goes, whatever. And he just goes and does what he does. Jesus 
asked the Pharisees, which one of these two boys was the good son? And they said, the one that said no, but went ahead and did it. How many times do we do that? How many times do we try to control others? What if they don't do it? You know what? It's up to them. It's not up to us. There is not going to be a single soul standing beside you whenever you come in front of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You're going to be all by yourself. And the only thing you're going to have to answer to is what you did. Not what anybody else did. You are not responsible for other people's actions. If God Himself is not going to make people do things, He gave us all free will. It was the greatest gift that He could give. If He isn't going to intervene in somebody's free will, what gives us the right to? Now, we can point them in the right direction. We can point them to the only thing that will save them. And that's faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But you can't make them go there. We can't control people. Quit trying. Helping others because it makes you feel better about yourself. How many, you know, I, I, I've seen those types of people, man. They, they get some like adrenaline high off of helping other people because it makes them feel better about themselves. Instead of paying attention to what they do and working on themselves, boy, they will work on you to no end, and it's usually a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do situation. Quit it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Heard a ping-pong ball loose. Somebody rope it. Helping others because it makes you feel better about yourself. There's a difference in helping someone for their benefit and helping somebody for yours. Don't make that mistake. And the last thing, you know, you can point people to Jesus Christ, but you can't rope and drag them there. We are not responsible for people coming to Christ. It's a personal decision that they have to make. Now, we can plant the seed, but we're not responsible for watering it, growing it. We need to concentrate on ourselves because until we get ourselves right with God, we won't be able to truly help people and point them in the right direction. Jesus is the rock that our faith, our salvation, our strength, our health, our happiness, our trust, and our hope is built upon. Let me say that again. Jesus is the rock that our faith, salvation, strength, health, happiness, trust, and hope is built upon. And some people have to hit rock bottom to find that rock but trying to drag them out of it. Are you the people that we've been talking about today? Do you feel like your life is just in a shamble? Are you depending on other people to make you happy? Are you blaming other people for your, for your misfortunes? You know what? There's only one thing that can make you happy, and the point of this today is not so that everybody will go out and say, you know what, I don't have to help anybody anymore. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is I'm pointing the way to help people, and if you're the one in pain, we want to help you too. It can only be found in Christ, no one else. Hey, before you shut that knob off, let me tell you something. If you like today's program, we can all give a great big thank you to Western LLC. They're a turnkey development for oil and gas and aviation industries. You can get on the internet and visit them at westernllc.com. Also, Jim and Kelly Gerald at Integrity Auto Repair and Rod Denning at Tumbleweed Hay and Hauling, all of them out of Kiowa, Colorado. You ought to know by now that I ain't going to jerk your leg. <laughs> okay, maybe every once in a while, but this one ain't no story. This here's the truth. We need your help to stay on the air and keep this gospel being spread to cowboys and cowgirls like you. It ain't easy to ask, I promise you. We'll even tell all your friends that are listening that it's you that are bringing it to them. Help us out by going to SaveTheCowboy.com and contacting me. 
Call me and let's get this thing set up. Don't leave it to somebody else.